0: Peter Hedborg is a Swedish entrepreneur and investor with remarkable results achieved at a very young age. Peter is also the chairman of the Swedish sport fishing company Söder Sportsviske. In this episode, Peter explains why his passion for finance and sport fishing has great synergies, what makes his investment philosophy unique and able to produce so high returns. How he wants to scale modular finance to become the best investor tool in the Nordics, and many more lessons on building companies and finding your edge as an investor. Let's start the show. Quarter is the new way of doing company research. With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world straight to your pocket. Quarter's mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. Quarter is 100% free. They include companies from 15 markets today and plan to add more over time. They always prioritize requested companies which users can easily do in the app. Users can also leave reactions while listening to the conference calls to make their voice heard. So check out Quarter. Q-U-A-R-T-R All opinions expressed by Christophe Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Bin. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christophe Vonheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back, everyone. I'm super excited to be joined by Petter. And Petter, thank you so much for joining the show.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks for
0: inviting me. I want to go all the way back and sort of understand when you got interested in finance. Was it through family? Was it through someone close in your proximity? What was sort of the story that led you into the finance rabbit hole?
1: Uh, It sure was family. So it started really early. I think I was about... 12, 13, something like that. And my grandfather started to, to talk about a, a, a company, Gunnabu uh, uh, that that he uh, heard about because he was really into like carpenting and, and stuff like that. So, so it was something about uh, fences or nails or I don't even remember, but something got him interested in that company and he got me interested. So I bought shares for... Two or three hundred kroners in 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 Gunibu and and in one year or so, they they were like up hundred percent or something. So, so so that was like really my first nugget of of uh, of feeling that the power of, of the, the the stock exchange. Was it sort of like the.
0: Um... How do you say like the money piece, the interesting part at that your young age, or was it really to understand the company and sort of understand like the economy overall
1: in in that young age, I don't think I, I understood anything about the company, so it was more the fact that that i I in some sense understood that there's a market where 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 you're investment or your money can can grow without you putting in more more work than just having an idea basically uh so, so i think that was just uh, really sparking my, my my interest but that career was was like super short so so probably I, I found some nice toy or something to 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 buy and and then i didn't think about stocks for uh, some years so it was back when in my second to last year in, in 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 gymnasium where i uh where i revisited the 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 stock market again when I was about yeah eighteen nineteen years old or or so
0: if you haven't been involved in finance what would you what would you replace that hobby with? I think you know the answer but uh
1: yeah, it, it probably is. My my two biggest hobbies is is the two things that I actually work with that I put a lot of lot of time into, and that is the stock market and uh, sports fishing. So so those two things uh, take a lot of time, but now I'm also a father, so so I have to try fit them in uh, with the most important thing of all, and that of course is family. Yeah. Maybe a,
0: a cliche question, but I'll ask it anyway. is there any similarities between sport fishing and finance? Obviously, you can say that you need to be concentrated, you need to be competitive, etc, but is there some parallel we can, we can yeah. get out of it
1: yeah surely uh, i think I think the biggest thing for me is that I realize that i'm I think that i'm I'm becoming better and better at both things, but I'm not even close to the top and I know that I will never grasp everything. I will never be uh, fully, fully capable of, of of doing what you can do. So I think that's what's really, really intriguing to me. That it's it's new information every day. The stock market uh, sends out new releases from new companies new angles of information you get better you see new things uh, new underlying trends and and sports fishing it's it's more of a, a static world in one sense but but you're like competing against living creatures that's down there and and one day i believe that i understand their behavior and their pattern and one day i i'm totally lost so uh, yeah both things uh, both things are are so so hard and and uh, I think that's what's intriguing the most. Can you tell us a bit about the
0: company soda sports Fisk, just the journey they've been through because obviously it's it's not a new company, but maybe it's like the evolution has made it that it's a really new company today with great growth potential
1: yeah yeah it's 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 a new company in in the sense that it's uh a listed company that you can evaluate from from like really serious perspective and and for for me it started uh, from a customer perspective so so i've been sports fishing since i was five six years old and i've done it a lot uh, and in i think 2014 or so i started to really uh concentrate my my buying behavior towards Sportfiske, the the local store here in stockholm but also their uh, e-commerce and i I really felt that, that it stood out to, to everything else uh, and that I got both the, 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 the customer experience that I wanted, but also the, the knowledge and, and the broad range of products and, and all that. So, so for, for me, as someone that's obsessed with analyzing companies, I, I went into to the, the, the company registry and I, I looked the company up and I saw that this was a really, really well-run uh, company. Uh, profitable from day one e-commerce was not uh, openly pos- um, uh, cash flow positive and, and and profitable at that that time so i really i really contacted the the two founders and then started to 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 uh, try to get them to understand that i could that i could help them
0: I mean, this is a unique category and I just want to spend some minutes explaining it because you've talked about it before, because if you look at this company, like a uh, uh, normally smart guy would say that, okay, why can't Amazon just compete this business model? But there are some features that make this quite unique. So can you just quickly explain that for people who are interested in that type of niche?
1: Absolutely. So, um some uh, some things that, that you can uh, start uh, with is that the the, the range of products is, is is really really broad so so you have to have 20 30 40,000 products to to compete and of course amazon can do that they have they have warehouses much bigger than that but you know you have to know what those 40,000 products should be and it's really 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 news driven and Sometimes you also need to to create the the news flow yourself. You have to go out there and fish with new products and, and show the market that you can uh, that you can catch fish on it. So it's a super niche, super nerdy, super knowledge uh, thirsting uh, industry. Uh, that, that doesn't really fit for a, a, a super broad, uh, multi-brand, multi-category uh, e-tailer. You want to buy the stuff from someone that catches fish. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain better than that, but that's actually the case.
0: Great. Great explanation. Um, you said that in this story that you sort of, you approach the entrepreneurs and the founders and, mm. and talk to them. And that story, I think, is relevant to also explaining Petter as the investor, because it seems like you started with that approach from a very, very young age. Can you sort of explain us that time of, uh, of your life and how you always have approached companies, get to know the founders if you can, etc.?
1: Yeah, so so uh, there are there are a lot of different ways in being uh, successful on on the stock market but for, for me uh, knowledge and and conviction a really like uh, a word that's being used a lot but it's 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 still so relevant so I have to use it is super important so I I know that I won't find the, the best investments at any specific time but my goal is rather to find the best investments for me, and the best investments for me are companies that uh, can deliver growth, uh, profitable growth, and growth that I do, that I understand and believe in. So I started really, really early to to contact the 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 CEOs, the CFOs, the boards of, of these companies, uh, you have to, of course, stay super humble and understand that they actually don't have time for a, a, a really, really small invest, investor like like me, as I was in the beginning. Uh, but you have to try to find find angles. So they, they give you the answers that, that you want and that can be to to be really really into what they're doing and showing them that you put in a lot of time to understand the business model and, and so on because really often even even fund managers fund managers that, that are on the top 10 list they they don't know the company as good as you uh, and if you show the management that that you really care they will give you some airtime
0: that's a very good advice. Uh, I mean, leading up to this conversation, I got some some Twitter DMs explaining your track record. And the number was so big that I'm afraid to say it even. But can you sort of explain your track record and what you can share publicly? publicly Because it's been quite a journey at least.
1: Uh, yeah, so, so I've been active on, on the stock market for... Uh... Fifteen or, or sixteen years, and and uh, I'm 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 super proud of, of what I've been able to 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 achieve, uh, and and uh, I think the the way to do that is that I put in a lot. Of, I did a lot of mistakes the first years, uh, so there I was probably just lucky. Uh, I started uh, I started in a, a really good period period two thousand five two thousand six when it was it's never easy, but it was easier then so i did a lot of really really bad calls and i got awarded for them anyways uh so so i was lucky in terms of timing uh but i did a lot of mistakes and i think that i learned from from some of them uh and then i think i pretty early on found my strategy and i i uh, i was able to stick to it so so i started off by by being more active more of a a trader i i could have a just uh, a position over one day or two days. But but really early on, I started to understand for for me, swing trading is is the thing. Uh, So so for between year three and 10 or so, I had like two or three core positions that that I held for maybe 12 to 24 months. And then I had swing positions for three to six months or one to three months sometimes. And that's evolved to, to the, the strategy I have today where I only have core holdings that I hold for 12 to 36 months. So I think, um, yeah, uh, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time reading uh, press releases, company reports, and I stuck to my, to my strategy. So I think that, that, that would be the best explanation on, on, on how I succeeded fairly well the last couple of years.
0: I mean it's the famous uh, I think it's Mark Cuban quote that concentration builds wealth and diversification protects it and of course it's it's all about finding your own investment style but just to repeat for the people that really wants to understand your strategy it's basically finding I don't know if you would say like five companies today and really dig go hard on them and expect them to have the growth trajectory that you pre- that you predict
1: yeah so so starting off I had like maybe yeah, more active approach, uh, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, 10 companies in the portfolio at, at any specific time, but, but those were, were changed out a lot. So it's more of a trading strategy the first two, three years. Uh, after that, I went on to a more like swing, swing trading strategy. And that's when I uh, boiled it down to for me to, to really know my, my case. Because it's both knowing the company and knowing the case, your investment case. Those can be two separate things. I can see a, a wonderful company, but I won't invest in it because I don't see an investment case. And it can also be the other way around that I see a really good investment case, but it's uh, yeah, it's an okay company. So yeah, so I, I, I chose or I still choose a really focused uh, strategy. I have between five and eight holdings today, I would say. And the reasoning behind that is that that way I can put a lot of time into every holding. So I I visit uh, the companies uh, in their headquarters every year. Uh, I I speak to to the management as much as I can and I read everything I get my hands on. So so for me, uh, that has been the strategy. And I can also take it as far to say that if you are willing to put in the time, if you think this is a really, really fun thing to do, to be on the stock market and, and to put in the time, I believe that a focused strategy is the best risk-reward uh, strategy to, to, to really high returns. Uh, and, and you have to, do, to go into that risk-reward equation and be okay with taking that kind of risk but, because, of course... You will hit black swans and you will have bad calls, but that's that's part of the game. That's not that's not the argument against the strategy. That that that's a that's a part of it. I would say.
0: I asked a friend to to describe you, and he said that there were three words to sum you up. It was consistency, quality, and focus. Do you think that's a fair description on your approach? Yeah, and that was really nice
1: I... of him to say. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's a good way of describing it. So so normally i only invest in profitable companies Uh, for some that that uh, that uh, limits the alternatives too much i do still some investments where they're really on the tipping point and so on but but to keep it easy only profitable uh, companies and and uh, consistency yes i think that's been maybe one of my really strong suits that i don't Anymore get get sucked into the the, the hype or the FOMO when, when a holding that I don't understand really runs. For example, uh, I don't speak about specific companies, but for example, iGaming uh, I, I've never understood it. Uh, it's it's too hard for me. I think it's too much regulatory affairs that I will never really understand. So so I've I've never. I've never uh, rode that, that uh, underlying trend. And that's okay. You don't have to do them all. You just have to do the things that you understand and do them good.
0: Is that uh, example also relevant in the crypto space? Have you dabbled into that or just completely stayed away?
1: completely stayed away uh, I don't understand anything uh, I, I do understand that that's the underlying technology the the, the, the blockchain technology but rather uh, rather than the, the actual uh, currencies but but for me no that that's I'm, I'm, I'm not intelligent enough to, to understand it so I just keep away Let's talk a bit
0: about uh, identifying uh, companies. You have the sort of the screening uh, strategy and you have the gut feeling. You really rely on the gut feeling. And I think it's important to maybe be specific about what gut feeling is, because gut feeling isn't necessarily waking up in the morning, having an idea in the shower, but it's based on millions of experiences and data points. How would you sort of describe that feeling?
1: Yeah well, to start off uh I'm 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 really really cheating in one way uh because I'm 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 working with this we have uh, banks institutions fund companies and a lot of listed companies as as uh, customers uh so I at every single point in time have one of my screens that that's uh, a a terminal with just news flow uh, share prices and and so on so one eye is, is always there. I don't read everything, but I read a lot and I see a lot and I hear a lot. I speak to a lot of people. So sometimes a name just pops up and I don't always know where it comes from, but it's like a, a, a condensed uh, piece of information where I've seen a company name, heard a good investor talking about a specific underlying trend at the same time that company took a 5G order and this happened and this happened and just, it just adds up to, okay, now I have to put in the time into this company. And of course, I miss a lot of stuff by just relying on, on, on those ideas coming to me, uh, but, but it's enough. I just have to I just have to swing on those five to ten to uh, ten balls and and I just I I I I have a new company in my portfolio maybe every every year so so that's that's fine I don't have to I, ha- I don't have to find them all um, and and screening can be good I have found investments that way it's not that I rule it out it's just that sometimes it's a little bit uh, false security in those type of if you only go about it that way I think you will miss a lot because because investment investing is is much more complex than that it
0: makes sense I think another I will say like cheating point is that being an, an entrepreneur yourself you also have a very unique insight into really understanding the business models of the companies how can we break that down
1: yeah, that, that, that that's totally it. So, so the main weakness, if I can say, that I see in other investors is that they've learned the talk and learned how to speak about investments and they sound super smart. But when you try to really talk about how the pricing will change when uh, they can't do this or can't do that or... Uh, why uh, recurring revenue is so much better than, than selling uh, this product through a really super solid, uh, scalable distribution network, then you sometimes see that they're mo- more like traders than, than investors. They, they've learned how to talk about the story and that's fine, but then you should adapt your knowledge base or, or your like, uh, ambition with your strategy and don't think that you are a long-term investor because then the first uh, bad period you will just throw the, the the holding out and say nothing to no one because you're ashamed uh, so so yes that's been a really good uh piece in the toolbox to to understand uh, companies and when we ran our first company introduce i, I held investor presentations so i did one to three investor presentation every day for four years and sometimes i sat and listened to a polish subcontractor that did something super boring uh but i gathered like pieces of information that i used really used in other cases so so hearing hearing learning about different industries different business models different distribution chains different ways of pricing things you can you can never you can never hear enough of that cuz cuz you will use those pieces in the puzzle when you when you visit your next case
0: I mean, so collecting those ideas is a perfect segue to the diary I understand you wrote during the COVID pandemic. Can you tell us a bit about that uh, experiment? And you don't have to read off from your diary, but maybe you can have some some key insights.
1: No, but, but, but the last like three, four years, I've been really, really unaffected by index moves, uh, the, the dips in the market, uh, periods, weaker periods for my own holding. So So I thought that, okay, now I'm I'm immune to this. I, I can just focus on fundamentals. It's this is I I I I I can do this now. And then we we started the 2020, and, and we got back to those days that that I uh, experienced in 2008 because I was active then as well. Uh, then I was super super. I had a small portfolio that I could move pretty quickly. So then I was quick out. So I was only down 13% or so 2008 just because I sold everything really early and stayed out. So, so that, was, that was good. Uh, I cannot do that now. And, and that's not in line with my strategy now. So uh, I, I, saw a, I saw a really, really big decline in, in my portfolio. And, and I, I was affected. I was not uh, Superman. Uh, so, so what I did there was that I didn't do anything stupid in terms of of uh, trying to to um, sell a lot of holdings or or do a lot of stuff i i i think i bought into one new case that that's been really really good and i i divested one case that was okay so so that's what i did but i did keep a diary just to to try to understand the the psychology of of those days and was stuff like okay will will this be armageddon someday to okay now i feel a little bit up, more optimistic will this, will this will this stay and then the next day no i'm not optimistic anymore so so yeah uh, i i surely got affected a lot uh, luckily i didn't act on it but but for my for my head it it, it was tough
0: did, did that experience make you want to track your thoughts even more in the coming years or was it just an experiment that you learned something from and now it, it was
1: more on? of an experiment because I, I i was a little bit cocky and i thought that i was past those days uh and and there i am also lucky that i have my co-founder months uh he is he is superman in that sense he's he's it's crazy when, when things is is blowing i just asking him okay am i overreacting here and he's he can be down thirteen percent in his portfolio one day and he will still look at it with a really like sensible uh eyes. so so yeah he's he's uh he's a big big rock those uh days and and maybe I can help him with some new angles and cases and stuff where I go maybe a little bit deeper than him yeah
0: Sounds like the perfect partnership. Just a, just, the just a last principle on your investment journey. Uh, if you talk about a concept like uh, simplicity, I bring that up because when you're, I mean, you work with data all the time, you can have information about everything, but it seems like to really understand your investment strategy and how you structure things, you kind of try to make it as simple as possible and try to focus on the features that is Maybe maybe the Pareto principle is a good one, that the 20% that gives 80% of the result at least have that framework in mind. How important has it been to have like a simple but solid foundation to work from when you're investing?
1: I don't think I have a really like uh, applicable model that I can use on every uh, investment. The only thing that I come back to is that when I've decided to, to enter or go into a new position, I'm starting to, to acquire shares uh, and it's, it's uh, going to be a, a, a significant holding. So for me, everything from uh, 35% down to 10% of the portfolio makes sense for me. Uh, so then, I always do one sheet. I'm I'm not a pro in Excel, so I do I do it like in, in Google Sheets, and I just do two three years back, two three years into the future, and I do simple, a really really simple model. That's a little bit different comp- uh, depending on on the type of of company, but normally it's like uh, top line growth um, profitability. Uh, I do always like uh, gross margin of course and opex in terms in terms of sales so I can see the effectiveness of, of the company. And I always decide on uh, my view of the peak margin. I think that that's one of the best advice I can get get but that's really easy to, to to try to understand. Okay, what's the peak margin of this company? And the peak margin would be the 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 profitability level that this company will have when they're in 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 blue sky steady state, so to say. And those type of really qualitative, high growth companies, you need to value from a peak margin perspective at every point in time. So I don't really care if they're doing 12% or 17% next year. I just care what they're doing from my peak margin uh, perspective, because that's how I value them. I see them as being able to have that peak margin at the end of my case period at the end of my holding period and hopefully the market will even over evaluate that that morning at that point in time so, so that's that's what I always do and then uh, gathering information and, and finding like the the bricks of information I need that varies between company to company it depends what I think is hard and what I can what I can't understand uh, that's that's where I dig. Dig
0: deeper very very uh, good advice let's go over to the entrepreneurial part of your life I mean um, obviously you talked about it a bit but maybe just to repeat a bit the first experience in entrepreneurship because I guess that was like super critical in terms of you wanting to com- continue to create companies so maybe just like go back and just briefly talk about that experience and also how you wanted to scale it
1: yeah so um yeah, the basis in the entrepreneurial experience was actually, so it's good that we started with the, the investment approach because that's where it came from. So, so I got really into investing in, in the, the last years of my, uh, my uh, education. Uh, so I really decided not to study uh, economics after that because my father done it, my big brother done it. I wanted to do something unique. Uh, but then I felt, okay, so this investing thing is is going to be a big part of my life. So I need to understand the basic accounting and also like management models and pricing models and stuff like that. So I started to, to study uh, at Hansjökskolan here in, in Stockholm. Uh, but there we, or I decided I, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to, to pass the exams, but not much more than that. And then put in my time uh, by working. So I did some extra work for, for Bushveckan with Peter Benson in the beginning. And then uh, pretty early on, me and Mons uh, started a company called Introduce uh, that is today owned by ABG, Sundal Collier. And that was um, a platform for introducing micro and non-cap companies to, to both institutional investors and, and, uh, uh, and uh, private investors. So we did that in the middle of the financial crisis in 2008 so that was really really a good way of of starting to understand how to start a business because it's what's not about a rounds and b rounds and and big investors but we had like 30,000 kroners to build the product and and we went from there uh so so that's where we started and everything came from uh the interest of financial data and financial analysis, I would say.
0: Just a couple of points there. So one is the timing aspect. Since you were young and let's say a low risk profile, maybe that was a very good place to start in sort of like to have that experience early on compared to a couple of years in more is the best, best, right? And and the second part of that question was that I think there's a, a very good case to be made that it's if you're going to go the entrepreneurial way to build a product that you would, like as a customer seems like a very good strategy i don't know if you agree on that point but it seems like a very good starting point
1: yeah uh, it, it, it's fun to do it that way uh, to, to start a company has to be fun because otherwise you will quit so so uh, if, if it's the best way of doing it i don't know you have like brilliant entrepreneurs that create Anything that from from, from anything, uh, but for me, I think it was crucial to, to do something where I really wanted to create the product where I really wanted to, to change something that something that I wanted to use myself because uh, we we have always like done everything ourselves i'm, I'm not uh, I'm not educated in in UX or UI or creating a product, but I still want to create the product myself I, I don't want to hire 15 people having ideas how this should look me and moms we, we knew how we wanted the platform to look so we took a pen and we took a paper and we started to drawing basically uh so 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 yeah uh, for me uh i love uh thinking about business in that naive way is just to to solve something that you wanted to be solved yourself and i think i've, I've talked about it quite a bit and i i think that the focus in, in startups today is is uh is too visionary everyone thinks that they have to be the ne- next elon musk or the next mark zuckerberg or the next Don lek and and that's fantastic that that's that's that, that that that's what will change the world and and change uh, big things but all people can't be that uh, and it's like it's wonderful to create a fantastic small business as well and i think that more people should should feel free to, to start a business without those super global fancy ambitions.
0: Totally agree. If you look at the products you have been building today and you can introduce them the way you want, but I thought a good place to start was maybe to talk about the ultimate customer experience that you want to create through your products, right? Because you're trying to create products that makes the investment decisions or the way you screen the market, to, you want to take it to a new level so how do you define that ultimate customer experience
1: the ultimate customer experience is, is easy it's just we have to create products that the customers love and don't like and that's so hard when it's a, a reg tech product where you should follow the new market abuse regulation and, and it should be crypt, crypt, uh, encrypted and it should be uh, yeah it's, it, it's, it's not a funny thing uh, and and you, you have to create something that they love anyway. So then you are always really focused on two things that, that always has to be there. And that's user friendliness and user friendliness or user always comes from simplicity. Never, ever underestimate something being one click instead of two clicks or uh, finding it in a stressful situation or stuff like that. And the second component is customer service that every, almost every B2B cost, uh, company uh, underestimates. So for us, the product, it's not, not just the platform or the code or the data. That's, of course, super, super important. And those aspects have to be there. But without usability and um, customer support. Your product is nothing. So I think those are are the two things that that we really really focus on as a company.
0: It really makes sense. Let's talk a bit about the specific products and maybe how you have decided to map them out to fit your overall structure and company.
1: Yeah. So so we're a fairly small company to have six products. We're we're closing in on on hundred million SEK in ARR. So we're not super super small, but we're 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 small uh so uh, i think to to really understand what we've done here is 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 to see it rather as a product suite than anything else because a lot of these products uh evolved from the same platform and the same data so we started off with one product it's holdings it's still the product that we're most known for it's not the biggest product anymore but but it's the product we're the most known for uh it's uh Digital data database and an analytics tool for ownership data in the Nordics. So if you're a stockbroker or if you're a fund manager or if you're a journalist for a, a for a newspaper, uh, you need to know and you want to know who's owning what and who's buying what and who's selling what and, and, and so on. And that data is really, really, really hard to, uh, to to show in a good way. So that's what we put a lot of time into. So, so that's uh, the one product in the uh, business area that we call banks and institutions. Uh, the other product there is called DataFlow and it's just an API version of holdings. So so there we're a little bit of a one product company t- towards banks and institutions. Uh, On the other side, we have our investor relations portfolio uh, of four different products. We have Monitor, that's also based on this ownership database, but where you put investor targeting, functionality, investor relationship management, rather a CRM for your investors. So if... uh, uh, a big large cap company in, in Finland or Norway or, or Sweden uh, uses our product. They're actually logging the meetings they have with investors. So if they had a meeting with the Capital Group, they will log that and they will get a push notification or uh, a reminder that now they bought in some shares, maybe you should book a new meeting and, and stuff like that. So same database, new packaging and some unique um, functionality on on top of it.
0: If we talk about holdings and sort of the ownership data, like many people would say like, it seems like a, a problem that should be, I wouldn't say easy to solve, but definitely doable. But I know that's not the case at all. What's the easy explanation behind that? Just so people truly understand why this is a very hard problem to tackle.
1: The easy explanation is that the clearing system in the Nordics is... Uh, account data and not ownership data. So what people have been um, trusting as ownership data is rather the accounts where the shares are stored. And to get the right uh, picture of an ownership list or ownership changes or a portfolio, you need to diversify uh, your sources and you need to use overlapping sources. So to create a large cap ownership list, we need sometimes up to 30 different sources and 30 different sources with overlapping data. So we need to know, we need to hide these shares, show these shares. This connection needs to be like this because this owner has four accounts. That's uh, where the account data is the same as ownership data and some that that's not. And 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 it's really 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 complex if you care about the the the, the third decimal point if if you just want an okay picture is fairly easy but we uh sell towards the, the 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 people that really cares about uh the the details and then you have to put in the time so so we have spent uh Eight years now, creating pretty uh, robust and complex database uh, structures. And we also acquired a company that's done this since 1985. So we have a lot of historical data and, and a lot, a lot of links in, in, in the data. And we have six plus 12, I would say. So six people working with it full time and 12 uh, people working with it maybe 50% of the time uh, to do manual review. Because this, uh, this is something you need to do. It's, 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 it's impossible if you try to automate. It's just look at the big platforms. Uh, they all have ownership data, but it, you can't automate it.
0: Uh, I mean, there is a saying from the seafood industry or the seafood exporters to Asia that some countries, they try to explain the models and how it works and they just like point to a black box. Like something is going on, but we're not sure what's going on. How big is that black box in this field of investing? Because I guess, of course, you have to showcase the data, but there can be so many ways to, I wouldn't say trick people, but to make it so sophisticated that it actually is a black box in some some way.
1: But I, it, it's not a black box in the way that if you have the time, I can explain it to you, but it will take a couple of hours and, and I will need to show maybe 50 different examples, so in In that way it's not a black box, but it's 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 time consuming and it's super super hard so I would rather say that our goal from day one has to be to to get the trust of the industry and and that's why we're not selling uh, analyzed products where where we say that it's this way or that way we have to stay an objective uh, middle in this uh, ecosystem where we have the banks, we have the, the buy side, we have the financial media, we have the regu- regulatory agencies, we have the listed companies themselves and they're all customer to modular finance but we can always 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 just be focused on delivering tools and data and nothing more so the, the advice that has to come from consultancy firms and, and the the, the, the price target, that has to come from the banks. And the, the investment decision, that has to come from the institutions. So we have to be um, a little bit focused and not carried away to do everything. We, we would probably be able to double our revenue really quickly if we did it all. But I think we would undermine our long-term position by, by doing that.
0: That's a very good perspective. And once again, you're you're bringing up the, the focus aspect. If you look at scaling your products now, are you, are you that satisfied with your product offering right now? Because I guess, uh, of course, you're a product person and a product CEO. So is it about scaling the company now or is it still something in the product that you're really trying to get right?
1: I would say it's in the scaling phase. So the, the, the three products uh, on top of monitoring in the, in the listed company uh, business areas is data blocks that we're, where we do modules for the IR websites. We're trying to do a renaissance in IR websites where they're not just placeholder data that you don't care about. It looks good, but it's shit. Uh, but rather data that you as an investor really want to, to find at the company's own web page. Uh, we have MFN, it's a distribution tool for press releases, and we have StrictLog, that's that's the regtech tool. So I, I would say in terms of product, we're, we're fairly happy. We're always doing reworks and we always have some part of, of legacy that we need to... To take care of and and we're always adding new features every day Uh, but but, uh, for the moment we were putting a lot of time into your fantastic country Uh, so uh, we we really want to have a market leading position also in in Norway Uh, and and we are going into Finland with fairly uh, high pace we're also on Iceland uh, and we're scratching the surface in Denmark so I would say that the geographical expansion is is, is really on top of focus, and, and uh, we are also adding a lot of add-ons. so uh, rather than new products, we're, we're wanting to to increase the sales to our existing customers. So we did launch uh, a database for unlisted ownership data in Sweden just now, and we will add some big things uh, in the beginning or. I say beginning of, of, of next year, but maybe it will come I
0: mean, since you are very pleasant or or, um, um, or you're talking nicely about Norway, one thing about Sweden is that you have some great entrepreneurs there that has done tremendously well. I mean, you mentioned, uh, Daniel, uh, of course, the Spotify story. I just bring that up because I want to truly understand your thinking of Nordics versus Europe versus US and UK. But I think maybe it, it's make makes perfect sense because stocks you need to truly understand them and be close to the regulators etc but maybe just maybe you can also explain like the growth trajectory
1: um, yeah but I, I think that the main reason that that we have a really really nice climate here in the nordics is is something as easy as that that we trust each other uh we we do business in a way that if we say that we're going to do something normally we will do it so uh, what i've heard i've never done business in in uh, the mediterranean area or or uh, in, in in other um, geographical regions but for us even finland and norway was a little bit new culture and things we had to learn but, but the basics are all the same so so i think that that makes it a really really nice climate and, and we have a lot of role models to to look up to and and, and uh, a really good uh, climate to to um, to start new uh, companies. Uh, but for us, of course, uh, we will see. Uh, first, we will have to uh, show that we can take a market leading position or, or even a market dominating position because we are a true niche company. And I'm not happy just being a market leader. We want to be a humble market dominant. So we want market shares above 60%. Uh, that's that's where we strive, uh, and and then we have to do that without becoming a de facto monopolist, where you just get lazy and and you raise prices just because you can and so on. We have never raised prices on our our, our holdings product, for for example. Uh, it's it's been the same for a lot of companies. It's been or customers that have been with us for, for eight years. We're running, rather adding add-ons and having our ongoing contracts with a three-month notice so they can leave us whenever they want. Uh, so, so we're handling the market as we have fierce competition, uh, but we're trying to, to create a position where, where we, we're really, really dominant in a, in a small niche, so it doesn't make sense uh, trying to compete with us
0: super interesting uh of course we we've discussed product a lot and strategy i just wanted to also quickly go into hiring culture do you spend a lot of time on that because obviously you can be super uh incredible as a coder as a product designer but also in the end if you're going to grow you need to lead the right way you need to hire the right people so how is that part of the journey been as well
1: Uh, it's uh, you can't you can't over over exaggerate the 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 importance of 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 those things and I'm spending more and more time with them. So, so, uh, when I read the management courses at, at Hans Tech School, and I felt where a lot of people felt that like, what is this? This is like, give us, give us the numbers. Uh, and now I understand what's the most important things to, to think, to, to learn. So, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time trying to understand how you build culture when you're growing. Uh, it's really, really easy when you're five people because just you are who you are and you lead by example. And I still try to do that. We're, we're just 30 uh, employees now, so we're still small. And I that's why I try to keep it as small as possible uh, because it's easier to run. It's easier to get the, the culture or the way we we do business out there. Uh, but yeah, that that's the thing that I spend the most time on, uh, much more than... Than product, uh, I would say now. So, getting the right people in and uh, giving them the, the right incentives and, and giving them the right path in our company to grow themselves and thereby creating value for us at the, in the meantime, so to say. There,
0: There is like, a I think it's a famous quote, very American, of course, but it's uh, hire slow, fire fast. I mean, that fire fast thing isn't that easy in the Nordics. People have to remember that. But uh, maybe I think sort of the that you always need to sort of maybe in your head, you need to have hiring high in your priority because maybe you need a person in six months. Getting the right candidate can be super hard because good candidates have options. So maybe just talk a bit about that as well.
1: Yeah, this year has been a perfect example of that where we had a good team going into the year and then we had the IPO market exploding. So uh, it's been a fantastic year for us in in terms of of sales, but uh, we were too slow uh, when it comes to, to getting new people in. Now we've been lucky the last couple of weeks here so so we will we will manage but but we have had a couple of people here that's been working fairly hard uh the 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 last couple of months uh here so so yeah you have to be more and more uh proactive in your approach and that's something that i'm really learning so so to to uh to hire slow is something that i've been good at sometimes too good uh that's one thing that I actually regret and I see that we would have been able to grow a little bit faster uh, if we would have been a little bit more proactive. But it's, it's like an investment. It's easy to see in, in the rear view mirror. Uh, but but uh, that's something I'm learning from. And when we have the possibility, when the, like, when the car is working, we really try to, to fuel it up. Uh, so we're not adding people when, when the structures aren't there, but when they are there, we try to, uh, to, to fuel the car up a little bit faster. Um, in terms of firing fast, that's, my, that's not my strong suit. Uh, I, I try sometimes, maybe in, in a too large extent, see the, the best in every individual. And I, I try to, if I see it as our, if I brought someone in, it's a little bit on me. Uh, I, 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 I should know who they are, what they can give us. Uh, so if that is, is, is still there, if they haven't done anything wrong or anything completely out of context, I really, really want to try to to help them achieving here. Uh, sometimes that's the right way to do and it builds culture and sometimes maybe I should have done differently. I
0: agree. Just a couple of more questions. Uh, obviously, COVID has also accelerated working from home, etc., uh, obviously, you hire very smart people. So how do you view that concept of freedom and responsibility? And has that changed your mind during the last years?
1: I would say no. I'm still a firm believer in working as a group in a physical place. Uh, I feel like 80, year old, 80 years old when I say it, because it's, 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 it's not in line with most people's uh, view uh, on it. But I really... I really stand for what I say. Uh, I believe that you should use the fact that you're a small company. Uh, big companies have to have meetings all the time. We can go over to, to the other person's screen and do th- do things like in the room. Uh, for me, that's when magic happens. That's when the best ideas just pop out of everything, anything uh, and, and, and stuff like that. So um I'm not a fan of the full remote model. I understand that it works for, for some companies. And if you founded the company that way, it probably could work. Uh, and for big companies, it works better. But for us, uh, I would never go all the way there. With that said, I have to understand and respect the, the, the new reality, so to say. Uh, and we have to compete with, with companies that, that offer full remote. Um, so, so, we do a model where, where you have uh two remote days per per week uh voluntarily uh, we have a lot of people that that don't use those at all, and we have some that uh, it's a it's a time in their life when it really works that way but but I do not do uh exceptions on on that if you're not sick or something like that but because we want our people or and our company to be to be office first, not because I should stand there and see if you're you're are you working are you working, but rather to give the 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 person modular finance the the possibility to strive, and I think that's that's uh, almost only possible if we. We do it together and and we talk and, and we have not figured out a way to do that uh remote
0: i mean there's trade-offs to everything so i think you're, you're explaining your thinking very very well maybe this question is a more a bit philosophical but it is in terms of obviously you achieved a lot in a very young age so just in your in your view of life do you feel like you have destiny control in in everything you do so the destiny control aspect would be like you can use an analogy like calculus if you do a b c you should expect this result or you can have the view that it's more statistical so you have like a normal distribution and you will fall in in every in in a random part of course you can act on it and improve it but it it's more about life is a bit more random do you have a do you have a view on that at all or
1: i have to believe that that we can uh, that we can push things in the right direction. But my investment career has, has showed me that, that, uh, that, of course, I cannot expect a, a straight line just because I work for it, so to say. So no, I would not say that I have destiny control. And, and one of the big things that, that's, that's hard uh, is to, to, to what, what, the days when you think, okay, uh, if I would not do this, what would I do then? That, that's the really hard part, I think. I still love this, and, and that's why I, I I I do it every day. It's it's still the the happy customer and the the, the evolving uh, employee. Uh, those are the two things that, that drive me. And of course, I'm also a competitive person, and I want our ARR to 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 grow, but. Not because it's money, rather I see it as, as points and, and that we as a team do things better to, together. But no, I would not say that, that I, I, I have a view that I can just, uh, if I just do this, this happens. Uh, we have to be super uh, humble and, and happy every day that where, 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 the, where the cards are dealt in a way that, that's favorable for us and, and uh, otherwise we just have to adapt.
0: It's a perfect ending. Petr, it's been so much fun hanging you on. Just a final question. Where can people get in touch and try your products and get in contact?
1: Yeah, so uh, Modular Finance is a business-to-business uh, company. So so uh, there we we, uh, we tell all uh, institutions, banks, list companies to, to contact us uh, at sales at modularfinance.se to know more about our products. Uh, something that we haven't talked about today, but that's fun as well, is that we do have a uh, business to consumer initiative that's called Bushdata.se. That's a consumer product for, for a screening tool. So... so now you understand that I am objective. I've talked about me not using screening that much, but but that's a fantastic product uh, to to have as a part of your investment approach. Um, so uh, you can also look look into uh, to that. And if you want to ask me something, I, I always have uh, I always try to answer every email that I get. so, so the email is up on our webpage modularfinance.se uh, and I try to be. As active as I can on on Twitter, uh, I would love to discuss uh, specific companies more than I do, but I've decided not to, with respect to to, to my mark position. But but uh, even though I I realize as much of my tweets are, are cheesy as hell, I try to to sometimes uh, give some some advice and some ideas and some things that I've uh, learned along the way.
0: That's perfect. Thank you so much for joining. It was a pleasure having you on.
1: Thanks a lot for inviting me.
0: Hi, everyone. Christopher here again. Just a few things before you leave the show. If you like this episode, it would be great if you could give it a review and also share it with your professional network. If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter is the place. Just go to at Chris Woonheim. You can also find this information in the show notes. Hope to see you tune in to the next episode and take care.